0: Welcome to the weekly sermon from Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Scott and Melissa Hale.
1: Okay, well that was fun, that was fun. I love, that's one of the funnest parts of the whole, all of December is all the Christmas movies that come on television. Now there was one movie I didn't see up there, and uh, do you guys, who remembers that hilarious Christmas classic of the boy who gets left behind, his family's traveling far away from home? Right? Home alone? Yeah, everyone assumes the boy's with somebody else, and by the time they turn around and they look and they realize he's not there, they're already long gone, and uh, the parents freak out, trying to rush back as, as quick as they can to find him. Uh, they find out when they get there, he's taken pretty good care of himself, and he's actually taught some other people some lessons along the way. And, did you know that that story I just told you is in the Bible? <gasps> it is. It is. Read us this story, Mel. Okay, this is found in Luke
0: 2, verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual after the celebration was over. They started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him. Baby boy. Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Hmm. But they didn't understand what he meant. Then, they, then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people.
1: That's right. Jesus and his parents have a true, like, home alone moment here, right? Right. Uh, so let's talk a little bit, a little bit of background, because you know that's that's what I get excited about here. What was happening in this story? Now, as a Jewish family, Jesus and all the other Jewish families would be making a annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem from wherever they lived. They would be going to the temple in Jerusalem for to celebrate. Passover. And so uh, for Jesus and his parents, they lived in Nazareth. So that would be about a three day journey for them. And they probably would have been traveling with their family, extended family, maybe lots of aunts and uncles and all that kind of stuff. And probably in a big caravan of people, it's more fun. Plus it's a little more safe. And so they would probably have friends and neighbors uh, all around them also making the trip. So they're heading down the road uh, for a few days in Jerusalem for Passover. And that would have been just a bunch, a, a whole week full of just uh, singing and celebrating and dancing and also going to the temple to hear the speakers. Oh, there would be wise people from all over the country coming to, to share and talk about the scriptures and debate and all that kind of stuff. All that was happening. It was a big time. And now this trip, also was particularly special for Jesus, because it says that he was uh, 12 years old. Now, we think of a 12-year-old as kind of a kid, right? Still a kid. I, I've got a 12-year-old and a Mason, and he's an awesome kid, and he loves being a kid. But in Jesus' day, this was really special, because being a 12-year-old Jewish boy meant that you were about to move from childhood to manhood in the eyes of the community. And um, yeah. So uh, And so he and his family would be celebrating this uh, 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 ceremony that we now call a bar mitzvah. Uh, And by the way, Jewish girls also celebrated the transition to womanhood around the same time, but they called it a bat mitzvah. And so uh, literally the word bar mitzvah is a Hebrew word. It means son of the law, bar mitzvah. And so Jesus would be expected, this wouldn't be the time when he's expected now to know the difference between right and wrong. He's officially looked on as, as a man. He's a man. And uh, to know in his heart what the Bible uh, says about God. And so we find Jesus in the temple... Where people would normally be sitting around and listening to the wise, all the wise elders talk about the scriptures. They're talking about God. And they're asking questions. And we see that Jesus is right there. And he's not like bored, wishing he was off, you know, playing video games or something like that. He is right there, eager to hear and learn and soak in as much of the scriptures and this wisdom as he can. In fact, apparently, he's concentrating so hard on everything that's going on, he doesn't even notice when the family gets up to leave. And so it says that the Bible says that when. The grown-up teachers would ask him questions because that's how they would teach. They would ask you questions and train you that way. It says to see if he understood the the scriptures, it says that the answers he gave would just blow them away. Uh, And and so even at 12 years old, we see that Jesus is already full of this incredible wisdom and reasoning. And you know
0: what, some of us might go, well, sure, it's easy for Jesus to know everything because Jesus Right? He automatically knows everything. But actually, that's not necessarily the case. Because God became Emmanuel. God with us. God had to put self-imposed limits upon himself to become human. Right? He's fully God. He's fully human. But even God, as man, had to study, had to read, had to learn. And he did all of these things probably every day of his life. He took the time to memorize the scriptures because he had put self-imposed limits upon his greatness and his magnificence and his power to become a person like you and me. And even Jesus had to study and learn and debate and and have those questions. But, of course, he had amazing wisdom inside insight because He is God and he is man all at the same time. Um, And so that is a very important thing to remember about Jesus. It's one of the reasons why, why did Jesus pray? Jesus was showing us what we are supposed to do. Hmm. He is living the example that we are to follow.
1: That's good. That's good. That's good. So he's having a great time just feeling at home in the presence of God. Yeah.
0: Okay. So he's having a great time Are Mary and Joseph having a great time. Are there any parents in here who have lost their kid ever? Lost my kids, you lost your kid twice? There's no shame in that. I'll tell you why, because this is just further proof, Mary and Joseph probably had more children, right? Once you get over one kid, you can't keep up. No sure. one can keep up. That's There's that's just that's too many people running that's around. That's and also, have you ever been in a crowd of people where you just... somebody Somebody's watching the kid, mm-hmm. right? And by the time your child is 12, they're practically raised. You're assuming they're brushing their teeth every day, and you don't have to tell them or follow up anyway. Right? right? They're not, though. Which is what I told my 16 year old that They're not done.
1: You need to
0: follow <laughs> up. But I told Julius this morning, I was like, help your sister... Get ready, you're 16, you're done. (laughs) You don't need my help anymore. We gotta help the little one. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, Mary and Joseph are feeling uh, (gasps) that sense of panic that only a parent can feel when they've lost their child Mm -hmm. and turn around and rush back to Jerusalem to search for Jesus.
1: Right. Usually when we uh, can't find Mason, he's hiding in the back of somebody's car. That's what we find. He he finds that hilarious. Gives us a heart attack, but it's all right. Uh, one time, uh, I remember growing up, you might have heard me tell this story before, I have to tell my parents just for a little bit, I was probably what, five or six or something like that, we're at this restaurant in Galveston, one of those restaurants that are like right on the seawall, it was a big special, you know, one of these little vacations we were having, and I'm a little kid, and I'm, we're walking around, it's one of those restaurants with the gift shop, you know, they have lots of like shark teeth and seashells and stuff like that, and I'm walking around, I'm holding on to my dad's pants leg, and I look up, and that's not my dad, and I was like, ah! and, I, and I run out to the little lobby, and they're not there either, now probably about about 60 seconds went by before they walked back in the door, realizing that they weren't with me. But in my memory, in my brain, it was about two days that I spent in that gift shop among all the seashells. But yeah, yeah so it was, so I'm pretty much nothing like the story of Jesus, but there you go.
0: Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was, my parents aren't here to be shamed, but uh, I was at a camp with like 300 other girls one week and every 299 girls got picked up on the last day of camp, but me. And I was kind of, we waited as long as we could, and then I remember, I was three hours from home, and I called my dad, and I was like, dad, are you almost here? He goes, I thought I was supposed to pick you up tomorrow.
2: Tomorrow.
1: So close. Oh, uh, well.
0: It's fine. I'm fine. All right.
1: So Mary goes into,
0: what is, what is classic mom mode? Scared and furious. Right? As you find that word. world, why'd you do this to me? We came three days out of our way to mm-hmm. find you, right? You had your father and me worried sick because great love gets very furious. It mm-hmm. But notice how Mary addresses him. The Greek word is technon, which Techno. means?
1: Child, like little child. little child.
0: She addresses Jesus as a child. Every That's right. child? You have made us worry. What were you thinking, you child? Mm. See, Mary and Joseph were still looking for their child but Jesus was no longer a child. That's true. Not in that culture. He was he had he was growing up. And Jesus knew the law. He knew the law of Moses. He was debating the scholars and Jesus had moved on from being a child to gaining an adult's understanding of what his destiny was. That's true. And what God had for him to do. Mm. And I think some of us, I think some of us sometimes fall into the trap. Mm of putting those limits on God. See, God can put limits on himself to be Jesus. But we're not supposed to put limits on Good God. Good point. And a lot of us can kind of take a picture of what God is and make God only fit in that box when in reality God's so much more than that
1: some of us still cling to the, the Jesus of our childhood, the Jesus that we grew up with. Maybe it's the Jesus of our parents' religion or the Jesus, you know, uh, just that we picture, um, you know, the, the little manger Jesus or something like that. And, and what it is is we haven't really put in that effort into putting in, in having a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, the Jesus who is alive and active right here and right now. And some, sometimes what we need to do is discover that Jesus and not just the picture of Jesus that we have in our imagination um, or tradition or religion or upbringing or something like that. It reminds me of the famous scene uh, from the movie Talladega Nights. <clears throat> Anybody remember? The race car driver, Ricky Bobby, his famous uh, baby Jesus prayer. We, we have it right here. Uh, watch this. <clears throat> I promise it's heavily edited for family. Here we go.
2: Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of dominoes, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR as we call them. And of course, my wife, Carly, who's a stone cold fox. Also, want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Notton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg, and it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus, hey, we-
0: um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby.
2: Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus, or teenage Jesus, or bearded Jesus, or whoever you want. <sighs> Dear tiny Jesus, your golden fleece diapers with your tiny, little fat, balled-up fist paw. was a man! He had a beard! I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt, because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too.
1: I like to picture Jesus as an ninja fighting off evil samurai.
2: I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band.
0: Hey, Cal.
2: Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear, eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet, just little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. 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 <clears throat>
1: <Let's> dig in. <laughs> if, if you're still looking for the, for the Jesus of your childhood, it might be time to consider a more mature relationship with Jesus, right? It might be time for some of us to move on to the Jesus who is actually fully capable of, of uh, showing us how to live our life. Yeah. But I think one of the main lessons we can get from this story. You know, in this whole series, we've been in Raising, raising Hallelujah, Raising Hallelujah, we been looking at Mary and Joseph and seeing Jesus through the eyes of his parents, and we've been inspired by the, the faith that they show. And here's an example of kind of what not to do in, in their case. Um, Mary and Joseph may have lost Jesus, but Jesus was never lost. Jesus was never lost. He was right where he was supposed to be. In fact, it reveals that, that he, the, the thing missing from this whole scenario isn't Jesus, but Mary and Joseph's attention. They're the ones who need to turn around. And we can really relate to this. I can relate to this too. You know, sometimes after you know we perform all of our religious obligations like you're doing here this morning, we, 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 and then what do we do? We walk out the door. We head back to our normal everyday life. We head back uh, away from the temple away from the presence of God, but Jesus never left that. Jesus never leaves the presence of God. And so we might read this, and we, as parents, we might read it and say, oh, well, that's pretty impossible. That seems impossible to get so distracted by the, you know, everyday cares of life that we would forget we've left Jesus behind. And yet some of us do that every week, don't we? We do the same thing. We can leave this parking lot this morning after this sermon and we can become so focused on the cares and the duties and the, the desires of what we're doing that we leave Jesus completely out of the picture. And we might even assume that God is just sort of tagging along for the ride, right? That God's in there. He's back there in the backseat somewhere. No matter how little attention that we're paying to Him or how little space we've actually made for Him in our life, we can take God for granted, and we just assume that he's just always going to be there following us around, silently blessing our agenda, right? And so when we realize that maybe we have done that, when we realize that we've left Jesus behind, we just need to do the same thing that Mary and Joseph did. You notice they didn't just stand there and scream out for God to hurry up and catch up, right? They dropped what they were doing and they, need, they went back to, the, to where they last had him, where they last saw him. We need to go back to that place in our lives where we left him behind. And it might not have been some willful decision you made, I'm leaving Jesus behind. Maybe not. It might have just been plain negligence, which we're we've all been guilty of. Being consumed by a bunch of everyday stuff, right? And so as, as 2019 comes to a close here, I want you to think back. Think back to when did you last truly experience Jesus in your midst. Uh, On your journey, are you traveling towards God? Are you traveling with God? Is He right there with you? Or do you find that you've been traveling away from Him? When's the last time you really heard His voice in the middle of all the noise all around you? When's the last time you felt His presence and His leading in the midst of the, the busyness of life? And and if you're being honest today and you would say, you know what, actually, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've looked and realized he was with me. Then maybe what you need to do is just pull the cord, get off the train, and stop and go back and say to yourself, you know what, something's missing. Someone is missing. And I don't want to go another mile without him.
0: So when we're rediscovering Jesus, what we want to do is rediscover him every day. Every day and rediscover the fullness of him, right? He's not just the baby in the manger. He's not just the 12-year-old in the temple learning. And those are beautiful pictures. And like if you're a kid, look at the 12-year-old Jesus as an example, Mm. studying the word of God and praying. I mean, what an example for you. And Jesus is so many things that we need, right? When we need a miracle, can we look to miracle working Jesus? When you are going through a storm, can you look at sleeping in the boat, Jesus, right? <laughs> can you look at calm the water, Jesus? Can you look at walking on the water, Jesus? And, and sometimes, some people, they just, they just settle on one image that Jesus, he like ate with the sinners. If you're cooking a big meal and you're stressed, Jesus knows what that's like, right? Jesus served 5,000. He knows anything that you're going through, we have an example of how to do it with love and grace in Jesus. When it's time to weep and mourn, we have a Jesus who knows how to do that. When it's time to laugh, we have a Jesus who knows how to do that. And even more amazing, this Jesus, who is our perfect example, gives us a gift to live inside of us called the the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus says, I'm not beside you anymore. There is not new chapters being downloaded on the internet of the Bible about what I'm doing at this second, but the Holy Spirit of God is alive in you, revealing truth to you, revealing your next right step to you, teaching you, guiding you. This is the Jesus we are rediscovering every single day, if we choose to do it. Mm -hmm. So how do we do it? It starts with, everyone say prayer. Prayer. Yeah. Do you know prayer is talking to the Lord? Mm-hmm. Of course we know that. Prayer is talking to the Lord. And did you know you have access to God 24-7, oh. 365 days a week? Not just once a week, not just a minute at night, all day long. Do you know just recognizing the fact that you have access to the Lord who is with you 24-7? Do you know that's what praying without ceasing is? The realization that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you can speak back. And did you know that the Lord speaks to you? It's a still, small voice. It's not here. It's here. Your spirit hears it. And sometimes God can reveal to you a verse. Or God can speak to you through someone else. Or God can remind you to go read that. Or God can show you a picture of something. And you will just have the feeling you need to do something. And it always lines up with the word of God and it always looks like Jesus. And that's how we know it's the voice of the Lord. So we pray. And second, we're going to open our Bible. Everyone say Bible. Bible. Or flip through it on your phone. Either one. You have 24-7 access to a book called the Bible, which is the story of Jesus, right? It's the story of who he is, of what he's done, and why you're here. And so we want to read his word. If Jesus, listen, if Jesus could study, we can study. Mm-hmm. Amen? Mm-hmm. Right? None of us know enough not to study. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, create space. We want to create margin and space and room mm-hmm. in our week to actually, hold on, not just learn and look at Jesus, but to do the things no. he told us to
1: do. No. Like actually no. do the things no. that he did,
0: mm-hmm. right? No. What did Jesus do? Did he give? It is did he serve? Did he see needs and meet them? Did he speak truth and love? Yes, so we have to surround ourselves not only with our brothers and sisters in Christ and grow in that uh, iron sharpens, iron accountability, but open ourselves up to be love and light and salt. Yo, what's
1: up in the those
0: party house? we are at school, at home, at home with our own brothers and sisters. What? <laughs> yes, all the time. All the time, that's our responsibility, and that's how we rediscover the real whole Jesus. In our everyday.
1: That's good. Sometimes we want to find Jesus. What we need to do is we need to connect with people. Because he said, where two or more are gathered, what? There he is in the midst, right? He said, when you do something for one of the least of these, you're doing it for me. Finding Jesus often means getting back into community, making space, and making that margin in our time for other people. But we have to pause long enough to notice that he's gone. Sometimes we get in such a hurry, especially this kind of year, this time of year. We get in such a hurry that, you know, the worst thing of all would just be to get used to it. To use to the hurry. To get used to that hole in, his, in your soul that his absence creates. We don't want to get used to that thing. And so, you know, in a few in a few days we're going to be entering a brand new decade. As we enter this new decade, if that's you do whatever it takes, drop everything if you need to, and, and make being in his presence have first place in your life.
0: You know, there's uh, the scripture in Matthew six thirty three. it says, seek ye first, the kingdom of heaven. Mm. All these things will be added unto you. And I know our tendency is, oh, it's a new year, I've got to make 18 resolutions. And I'm not going to stick to any of them. I'm going to make 18 resolutions. But really, the only resolution you need to make is to fall more deeply in love with the Lord. hmm If you fall more deeply in love with the Lord, because the more you know him, the more you love him. I mean, Uh God is amazing. God is amazing. God is good. He is faithful. He is, I mean, not everything you go through is faithful, right? Circumstances can be unfaithful. People in your life can be unfaithful to you. But God is always faithful. And when we can recognize and have our anger and trust in that relationship and lean in every day to know him more and be more like him, that's the only resolution you need. Because when you seek first the kingdom of heaven, he'll add to you all the other stuff. He'll guide you through all the other steps. He'll give you a picture of the next right thing you're supposed to do. Seek him first and everything else falls into place.
1: Amen. Amen. That's good, isn't it? I, it it's, a, it's a short sermon, but this is life-changing truth. If we'll allow, this to, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now. Can we just bow our heads and pray together? I just want to pray that really simply. Father God, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that you help keep him. Help us to keep him at the center of our lives, Lord. Help us to never leave him behind. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, you have been so awesome. Kids, you have been so awesome today. Way to go. Give yourselves a big hand. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward at this time. And if there's anything at all that you need prayer for, make sure you come and ask for prayer from these guys. They will pray in faith with you. And as we go, I just want to offer a little benediction, if we may. However on balance this past year, 2019 has been for you, whether it has been on balance one of great blessing or if it's been one of great challenge, I pray may you discover, and experience God's incredible love for you, his incredible pleasure that he has with you. And may you go forth into 2020, experience his peace, and making room for his joy. Amen? Amen. Grace and peace be to you. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources.